This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Turn with me to John chapter 20, and I want to begin reading in verse 1. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, let me pause for a moment here at verse 1. This tomb, we've been there. We take trips there every year uh, uh, with our Uh, tours of Israel, and when we come, it's usually the last day, we come to the garden tomb, we're going to come to that very tomb. They believe it's the actual tomb, and there's good evidence that this is the tomb that Jesus was placed in, and you get a feel for this scene that we're reading right now. It's really like a cave. You come into it, it's got a couple different sections and parts uh, of the tomb, but there is a large place uh, in front of it in this tomb. Uh, uh, you know, cave where the stone would be rolled. Now, these stones are estimated to weigh up to two tons. They're huge. And what they would have done is they would have sealed that stone with like a cement kind of mix that would keep bandits and thieves from breaking into the tombs. Now, the religious leaders were already worried that Jesus' disciples would come and steal the body. So they placed guards at that tomb. And this is where we're picking up in John chapter 20. Mary Magdalene, she comes to the tomb. Now, Mary's going to be the very first one. It's amazing as we think about it from this perspective. She's going to be the very first one that gets to see Jesus. A little bit about Mary Magdalene. We don't hear much about her. Mary Magdalene actually was somebody of wealth. She came uh, either through inheritance or her family. She was a woman of wealth and her hometown is on the southern part of the Sea of Galilee. In fact, the cool thing up until just a couple years ago, in fact, last tour of Israel was the very first time that we had an opportunity to tour the city of Magdala. Magdala. Now, Magdala has just been discovered. It's been a a recent, uh, uh, what do you call it, excavation where they found it. And what's really unique about it, uh, as opposed to maybe some other places that we go, is that it has been proven that the stones and that which they discovered were the very stones that would have been the, the, the stones and the sidewalks and the walkways that Jesus himself would have walked on. I want to show you a couple pictures here of Magdala. Now, Mary Magdalene comes from Magdala. Now, this is one of the excavation sites where they would have had the purification uh, 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 purification areas. Uh, it would have been the, the bottom parts of the walls of the city. And, uh, and there's some other pictures here I want to show you that begins to help you to see it. In fact, the altar uh, is one of the very original altars that 
that they discovered. There's a beautiful boat that they have built inside the museum here. Now this city, Magdala now, is a place that they're honoring the women of the Bible coming from Mary Magdalene in her life. They're honoring the women of the Bible and how God greatly used women throughout all of history, even in Jesus's day. And uh, this is one of my favorite scenes right here. The Sea of Galilee is in the back. I don't know if you can really see it very, uh, very well here, but through this glass window is the Sea of Galilee. It's one of my favorite places. And they've made the, the boat, which would have been a model of the boats of Jesus's day, they've made that a pulpit. Now, yes, I tried to get up there. I tried to preach from there. They wouldn't let me up there because I wasn't Catholic, but I tried to. I tried to get up there because it's such a cool, cool sight. And you can go in, you can see, you can sit, you can listen, you can pray. A beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, place of, of scenery and it's just the presence of the Lord that's there. Then you'll go down into a cave part and down there they have a beautiful portrait. We've actually bought this portrait and we're going to be hanging it in our prayer chapel here at the Fort Lauderdale uh, campus of Christian Life Center, and you can see uh, the woman touching, reaching out to touch the hem of, of Jesus's garment, and uh, it was a very moving time when we were there. Well, this is all in the city of Magdala, and I hope that you'll be able to go with us one day to Israel because you'll be able to go with us. It was really one of our favorite places. Now, those of you that went years ago, you didn't see it because it just opened up a couple years ago, so you'll have to come with us on a future trip, but it was such a powerful powerful experience. And Mary Magdalene comes from, Magd uh, uh, from uh, uh, Magdala and, uh, and, and she was a woman of wealth, as I talked about earlier. And this is who we're picking up with our story. Now it says she gets to the tomb early and she finds that the tomb is empty. I'm not going to continue to read here. I'm going to pick up a little bit later, but she goes to get the others, to tell the other disciples. And it's interesting when you begin to read in John what I like, if you'll be skimming that as I'm, I'm speaking with you, uh, John is taking the position of the third person in writing. And he's talking about how he and Peter, but he didn't say he, he talks about the other disciple running. And it, it is kind of funny because he's probably writing this after the fact. And as, after he's writing about it, he's actually kind of chuckling that he beat Peter. He ran faster than Peter to get to the tomb. And it was just a, a, a funny part of reading the scripture that it jumps out. But Peter and John go running to the tomb. And, uh, and, 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 and it was actually kind of interesting to me that the other disciples didn't go. It was only Peter and John that go running. And as they get there, they see that the tomb is empty. And by the way, when you press into Jesus, when you run after him like Peter and John, you're gonna experience some things that other people haven't experienced. You see, the other disciples didn't get to have the experience that we're reading about in John here because they didn't go, they didn't run. Whatever the reason was, they stayed back, probably trying to debate and think about what did Mary mean when, when uh, she came and said, he's not there, they've taken his body. But Peter and John, they go running. Now, I want us to pick up in our story Story because at verse 10 in John chapter 20, 
It says that the disciples went back to their homes and Mary stays at the tomb and she's weeping. Now I want to read to you a longer portion of scripture because I want to pick up from Mary, Mary Magdalene in verse 11 of John chapter 20. I'm going to read it from our screen here. Mary was standing outside the tomb and she was crying. And as she wept, she stood and looked in. And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other sitting at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. Now it was Jesus but she didn't recognize him because he's in a glorified state. She thinks it's the gardener. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? Well, she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and she cried out, Rabbanoi, which is in Hebrew, teacher. A better word here is master, meaning teacher, master. But Jesus says, don't cling to me. Obviously, she was reaching out to cling. And Jesus says, no, I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. I mean, it's a statement of declaration that the Father is our Father, God is our God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. She gives the message. Now, as we look at that, I need to take you to one other verse. I want to bring in another account in Matthew chapter 28. I'm kind of setting us up, so hang with me for a moment as we look in the scripture before we bring out the lessons that the Lord has from Mary's life. Matthew chapter 28 and verse five is where I want to read to you today. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be frightened, he said. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here for he has come, uh, he has come back to life again, just as he said he would. Come in and see where his body was lying. Today we're telling you and we're helping you to understand and I, and I pray that in these moments you can grab it. That beyond the grave, there is something so powerful that Jesus is alive. You see, because he's alive, everything has changed. And when we look at the life of Mary, we're going to see some lessons. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write a few of these down. Because Jesus is alive, first of all, I want you to see from Mary that you experience hope and that hope relieves your doubts. You see, the angel said to Mary, don't be afraid. See, Mary's world was shaken. Everything. She had been a follower of Jesus for two and a half years. She had supported the ministry of Jesus. She was from a wealthy family and, and those that were with her would have been uh, very wealthy as well. But the angel is saying, don't be afraid. Why? It's because 
everything around her is just collapsing. Everything that she had believed in, everything that Jesus had done for her personally, now it has just all fallen and that one that she was so devoted to, a devoted follower has been crucified. Now the reason that he's saying, don't be afraid, is because if we're not careful, fear can begin to take away our faith. And when the world begins to shake around us, when our world, when things that we're accustomed to, that we're used to controlling, begins to shake around us, if we're not careful, it can block us from seeing God, it can block our faith from touching God, it can block us from even fulfilling the very purposes of God. You see, I told you a few weeks ago, if you were following with us week after week, that if we allow fear to grow, that fear, if we feed that fear, we let those doubts, we let those, 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 those anxious thoughts and we let all of that begin to grip us, it'll get bigger and bigger and we'll lose perspective of who our God is and what God wants to do. And so right now, as I can just pause for a moment, I just wanna, I wanna just say, if you're in a moment where there's a lot of doubt, maybe there's fear, maybe that fear is gripping you, Maybe it's because things are out of control and, and right now we're, we're used to being in control and right now nothing is in our control. Everything around us has just been shaken up. But let me tell you, Jesus is here. Just as he said to Mary, he's saying to you and I, don't be afraid, don't be frightened. You see what he does and it's, be what, it, it, it's, it's what happens when we understand this, this message of Easter is that we have a hope and that hope relieves our doubts and it brings a peace to us and it just gives us a confidence that his presence, his spirit, he is with us. If we can go on here, I, I, uh, I wanna just uh, also look into Mary a little bit further down. Look with me, if you will, back in the book of John. So go back to, to the book of John. And I want to look here at a second thing that we see from the life of Mary. And I want to read it to you. John 20, verse 14. I want to read it again. Two verses. She turned to leave and she saw someone standing there and it was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Now here's the point, Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and she cries out. See, the second thing that I know is so true is because Jesus is alive, you and I can experience a grace that forgives all of our failures. You see, Mary was a woman who was greatly indebted to Jesus. In fact, it's the one that Jesus allows himself to appear to. It was our Lord's first appearance after the resurrection. It was to Mary. Now, I've already said Mary was a devoted follower of Jesus. Mary Magdalene was one that loved him. There was a, there was a depth of love in her for Jesus. It wasn't a romantic eros kind of love. That's a Greek word for romantic love, but it was a devotional love. It was an agape love, that kind of love because of what Jesus had done for 
for her. You see, if you look back in the story of Mary, she had such faith and devotion because in the depths of her depravity, Jesus healed and he touched her and he delivered her. Let me take you to another verse and show it to you. It's found in Luke chapter eight. In Luke chapter eight, in verse one, it says, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another. He was proclaiming the good news. Now, by the way, the good news we call around Christian Life Center, the message of hope, that we have a message of hope. It's a good news that we can be reconciled to God. What does reconciled mean is we can have peace with God. Our sins separated us, but we can have peace with God. And Jesus was going from village to village and he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 disciples were with him. Now here's the point. And some women. Now I like what it goes on to say. Some of them had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Now that's a word for us today, especially that God's healing power still released. Mary called Magdalene from whom, here it is, seven demons had come out of her. You see, Jesus delivers her. He set her free. And you and I, when we come to understand the grace, the grace of God that we get that forgives us of all of our failures when we have sinned and when we come to the realization of all that God has done so that we can have peace with God, there is something in us and that is what Easter is all about. That because Jesus is alive, because there's more than the grave, he came out of that grave, you and I have a faith and that faith sets us free. Now, Paul, the apostle Paul in scripture was very, 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 um, over and over again, he was very, very determined to make sure that believers understood that we have a grace that forgives our failure. So I want to read, now this is a little theological moment, and I hope you don't, you don't click away, but I want you to understand the, the truth of the resurrection and what you and I get. So look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17. And if Christ has not, now Paul's saying, to the church of Corinth. And by the way, Corinth was a church that they were struggling with their faith. They were trying to understand it. They were trying to figure some things out. So Paul is writing a letter and he says, if Christ has not been raised, if he was not raised from the grave, then your faith is futile. Your faith it, it has no purpose whatsoever if Christ was not raised from the dead and therefore you would still be in your sin. Now here's what Paul was saying. If Jesus isn't alive, then there's no forgiveness of sin. If Jesus didn't come out of the grave, you would still be in your guilt. Why was Mary Magdalene so devoted to Jesus? It's because she realized who he was. He delivered her, he set her free. And that's what happens for you and I. Because Jesus is alive, we have forgiveness. We have the grace of God that forgives us of all of our failures. And if he didn't come out of that grave, then you're still in your guilt. You would still be playing the what if game. What if? You know, many times we begin to ask ourselves, we begin to run over our minds. Why did I do that? What if this would have happened? What if that would have happened? What if I would have listened to my parents? What if I wouldn't have done that? What if I would have done this instead? 
And what happens is we begin to blame others for the condition that we're in and we begin to take on our guilt. And that guilt just weighs us down. You see, if Jesus didn't come out of that grave, if Jesus isn't alive today, then you're still gonna be in your guilt you're still gonna be in your shame. You're still gonna be carrying that condemnation. And boy, that condemnation feels like God will never, ever accept us, that we will never be worthy enough. But in God's grace, he forgives all of our failures. I'd like to share with you a testimony of uh, a young lady in our congregation. Her name is uh, Manusha, and, uh, and Manushka uh, grew up, she said, in a Catholic home. I think I have a picture uh, of her. I'd like for you to, to see her. She grew up in a Catholic home, in a Catholic school she went to, and, and she said, I was, I was in mass every Sunday, and I followed all of the Catholic traditions. But when I became a teenager, she says, I began to distance myself from God. And I began to struggle. I struggled with doubt, depression, and insecurity. And she said, when I uh, turned around uh, 22 years of age, she says, I began to fill this void even more in my life. And then she said, I lost my mother to a brain aneurysm. And when that happened, I lost all purpose and meaning in life at that time. I began to be so consumed, she said, with what other people thought of me. I began to live for the acceptance of others around. And I can tell you, there's so many like this in, the, uh, in, you know, in our congregation and in the world today that are living for the applause of others. And she says, it began to be a very dark and challenging time for me. She said, but then in 2017, the Lord really began to get my attention. She says, I was uh, having my second child. It was in the, uh, the, the pregnancy of my second uh, child. I was about 30 weeks uh, in and I began to have a very high blood pressure and I was taken to the hospital. In fact, the blood pressure was so high, the doctor told me that I was on the verge of having a stroke. He said that my son's chances of surviving that day, she says, are zero to none. She said, but I knew that God had a different plan. I told the doctor that God had a different plan. And the next day, my son was born. And then she said, a few months later, the Lord began to move me closer and closer to himself. She said, I began attending the Sunrise Campus of Christian Life Center. And she said, every week as Pastor Alex was preaching, I was receiving it. It was like he was speaking directly to me. And she says, before long, I found myself going to church every Sunday and I found salvation in Jesus Christ. I went right into the next step class. I was baptized in January of this year, 2020. And in the very end, she says, God is giving me and helping me to understand that I have purpose, that there is a life for me. I have joy in my walk with him. You see, that's what happens when we begin to understand that Jesus gives a grace to us because he's alive here on Easter Sunday. This grace brings us forgiveness of all of our failures. And because, because Jesus is alive, you and I find a grace that forgives us. A third thing that I want you to uh, just jot down today is because Jesus is alive, you can experience life that overcomes death. 
You see, without the resurrection, there is no future. There is no hope of salvation without the resurrection. Now, I want to pick up Paul again, and I want to give you another theological point. You've got to understand this. Paul wanted to make sure that his readers understood. 1 Corinthians, going back to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You may want to click over there. I want to read a few verses to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to read in verse 1 from the uh, New International Version. Paul says, now, brothers... I want to remind you of the gospel. Now, the gospel, again, is the good news. It's the message of hope. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you. And I love that Paul says this. He says, I want to remind you. So whenever pastor is repeating himself, just remember Paul repeated himself, and that's why I'm repeating myself. Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you when you received it and on which you have taken your stand. You've taken what stand? A stand on the gospel. The message of hope, that you can have peace with God, that God gives you grace, that helps you uh, walk in forgiveness, that God has plans and purposes for you, that you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you what? Hold firmly. Now, wherever you're at, say that with me. Type that in right now. We've got to hold firmly. Hold firmly to what Paul says? To the word that I preach to you. What word? The gospel. The word that I preach. The message of hope. That you have forgiveness. And that forgiveness, because of the grace of God, removes our failures. No longer in guilt. No longer in shame. No longer feeling condemned. No. He says, hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. You see, you got to hold on to it. It's not enough just to know it. How many of you have listened to an Easter sermon for years and years and years? But the reality is, has it changed your life? Is it impacting you? Are you seeing today that there is grace that forgives, that there's a life, there's a power that helps you overcome death and the grave? That's what Paul's saying. Hold on to it. Otherwise, you believe in vain. For what I received, I passed to you as of most importance, of first importance. And what is that? That Christ died, died for what? For my sin. He died for me. He died for you. He died for the sins of the world. See, Paul was so passionate that you understand it. And today I don't want to gloss over this. You've got to get this in your spirit that Christ died for you. He died for your sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. See, without the resurrection, there is no faith. Without the resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sin. See, this life is not the end. There's another life. We, we're going to spend eternity either in the presence of God or eternally separated from the presence of God. Go a little bit further down with me here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let me go down to verse 14. I stopped at verse 4. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. You see, Easter changes everything. We experience a life, and this life overcomes death, overcomes the power of sin, overcomes where we are resurrected with Christ in our spirit. 
because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is alive, the fourth thing I want you to know is that we experience courage and this courage conquers our fears. You know, if we go back to the story of Mary Magdalene, in verse 18, Mary found the disciples and she goes, she's been told to, to go back and tell the disciples. And in verse 18, in fact, let me read it to you. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. What gave Mary courage? I mean, remember, she's weeping at the tomb. She's crying. And she hears the voice of the Lord, Mary. And at that moment, she didn't recognize him when she saw him. She thought it was the gardener because he was in his glorified state. But when she heard his voice, when he called her name, there was something that grabbed her and she knew it. And Mary Magdalene goes back and she tells the disciples, I have seen the Lord. What gives you courage to conquer your fears? Is that you know the Lord, that you've seen the Lord, that there's a confidence and an assurance in you. If you've been given life in Jesus Christ, when you begin to grow in him, you begin to grow your faith and the roots of your faith get stronger and stronger and stronger, you come to learn to recognize his voice. Now, honestly, the more you walk with God, the more in tune to God you become when you're truly desiring to hear him, to know him, to believe and submit your, your life and, and will to him, you begin to recognize the voice of the Lord calling you, tenderly calling you, just like he called Mary that day in the garden. You see, the scripture tells us, and we're reminded of this, that he knows your name. He understands. He knows what you're going through, the fears and the doubts and everything that happens, not just now in a pandemic, but always, no matter what we're going through, there is a power and a strength. And when you call on him and you learn to recognize him, he responds to you when you call on him. And he begins to faithfully guide you through every situation that you may be facing. Courage, courage to conquer your fears. How do you get that courage again? Maybe write it down, be reminded of it. Maybe later in one of our talk groups, right after the sermon, we break into talk groups uh, in, a, in a Zoom room and we begin to talk about it. Maybe you can talk about the courage that God has given to you to help you conquer fears, not only now, but fears in the past. You see, Easter changes everything. And the more you get to know him, that courage enables you to conquer. Now, I have found personally in my own life, it helps me to conquer, first of all, the pain of the past, the pain of things that I've done, situations that I've walked through, thoughts that, that plague me, guilt and shame and, and condemnation. But the reality is when I get to know him and I keep my eyes on him and I, I understand that there is a, 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 a courage that comes that enables me to conquer when that happens, I can begin to conquer the pain of my life, the pains of my past. You know, if you haven't learned it yet, pain is like a prison. It keeps you stuck. You stay stuck in your hurt. You stay stuck in the pain. You stay stuck in the resentment or the regrets. I mean, pain becomes like a prison. But I'm guaranteeing you today that Jesus says that because he's alive, there is a courage that helps us to conquer failure, rejection, 
maybe temptations, maybe a failed marriage, whatever it is, the pains of the past, God helps us to conquer that. And not only that, I've learned, and this is probably the most precious to me and that which I lean on the most, especially in times like this, is that there is courage to conquer the pressures of today, the pain of the past, but also the pressures of today, the pressures that we're facing. It could be pressures of the pandemic. It could be pressures in a family. It could be pressures of an illness or a financial situation, but God gives us courage to conquer. The last thing I wanna share with us is because Jesus is alive. On Easter, on Easter um, Sunday, we're celebrating that. And because Jesus is alive, fifthly, you can experience purpose that replaces emptiness. Because of the cross, we now have access with the Father. The purpose of the cross was so that you and I, mankind, could, could, could be brought back into a right relationship and have fellowship with a heavenly father on the cross. Jesus paid everything for us. And that's why today, over and over, beyond the grave, because of Easter today, Easter changes everything. I wanna share two scriptures with you in our final moments before I pray with you. The first is found in Hebrews chapter nine. In verse 15 in the Living Bible, it says, Christ came with this new agreement that all who are invited may come and have, and, and have forever all the wonders that God has promised them. Now here's the key, underline it. For Christ died. Died to do what? To rescue them from the penalty of their sins. You see, today, because of Easter, because Jesus is alive, we have a new purpose when we begin to understand what God has done for us. And that purpose replaces an emptiness. It fills a void. It begins to give us direction and meaning and fulfillment in life. I love in the testimony that I read to you a few moments ago where she said, there was a void. I lost purpose. I lost the meaning of life. And then I begin to draw closer to God. You see, you draw close to God and the Bible tells us God will draw close to you. When you call on him, he'll he'll answer. When you knock, he'll answer. When you ask, he'll give. When you turn to the Lord, especially in these moments where we feel empty, especially when our sin is gripping us, if we confess to him, he will forgive us. In fact, that's another scripture I wanna show you in 1 John Chapter one and verse eight, if we claim that we're without sin, if we say that I don't have sin, I'm good, everything's okay, then it says the truth is not in us and we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he, that is Jesus, is faithful and righteous and just and he will forgive us of our sins and he will purify us. That will cleanse us, wipe it away, remove all of the sin that has blocked us of having fellowship and a relationship with God the Father. You see, the resurrection changes everything. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Now the reality is it's not enough just to know this. We have a choice and that choice is, are we going to believe it? Are we going to receive it? Are we going to let it be the very thing that we build our life upon? Are we going to believe and receive? 
Or are we going to dismiss it? Are we going to dismiss him? You see, today, don't let it be just another Easter. Today, there's life beyond the grave. Jesus is alive and Easter changes everything. But there's a choice that you have to make, that I have to make, that all of us must make. And that is, are we going to accept the claims of Jesus Christ? Are we going to reject him? You see, if we remain the way we are, if we stay neutral, then this powerful message that I'm sharing with you today will have no impact in your life. My hope is before we end today that you will make a choice to follow Jesus Christ, that you'll make a decision today based on the fact that Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, we experience hope. Because he's alive, we experience grace, We experience courage, we experience life, and we experience purpose. But it's only when we receive him as our Lord and Savior. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.